0: all right three two one hi everyone and welcome to another episode of failure friday where we talk to friends families colleagues instagram friends facebook 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 friends and sometimes complete strangers about how failure has shaped them professionally personally and driven them forward it's something that I think it's so important we talk about today, not enough of us talk about it. All we highlight is the positive and the great things going on, which is good too, but failure, especially as an entrepreneur, is what drives the engine forward. Today we have Miss Lisa Maltese. Lisa, thank you so much for coming.
1: Great, thanks for having me.
0: I'm gonna give you a brief intro, but I'm gonna let you really dive into it. Uh, Lisa is a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur, Lisa founded Trendy Dog Mom, a trendy but practical dog walking bag designed with every dog mom in mind. And Pink Julep Boutique, a boutique that offers a wide variety of products with the goal of sourcing domestically first. Lisa, where are you from?
1: So I was actually born in Pennsylvania and I moved with my family when I was 13 to the Tampa Bay area. And then in 2007, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky area, Prospect, Kentucky, and I lived there for 14 years. And so we just finally navigated back to our home in um, Newport Ritchie, Florida. And um, here we are, our son is still in Louisville. He's in uh, his second year of medical school and I still own my business up there. So we do still have some ties and, Here we are.
0: Oh, wow, I did not realize that you came back to, so I'm from Seminole, Florida, and then migrated in high school, because I was such a bad kid, to (laughs) East Lake, which is right next to Newport Ritchie, but I didn't realize you were back there.
1: Yes, yes. Well, um, our daughter had just graduated high school in this past May, and so she goes to University of South Florida in Tampa, so that was kind of our driving force. That okay, we're ready to come home, and so here we are. And unfortunately, our son is—I say unfortunately because I don't know if you follow the weather in Kentucky. Um, today is cloudy, cold, and dreary. <laughs> so, but. yeah, I was about to be about to say, just like
0: screw your son, leave him in Kentucky. <laughs> you I know, came right? to Florida, exactly,
1: exactly. Oh, and you know what, I you so much appreciate the weather that much more, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, you know, Pennsylvania to Florida, you're really, your head's not there, but when you're an adult and you're up there for 14 years, and then you come back here, I mean, I haven't experienced February in like 14 years and I'm like, oh my gosh, every day. So it's amazing and happy to be back.
0: What's it like running a business that far away? How are you doing that?
1: So, um, luckily, the most important part is my team. Um, So we have uh, been working with this, knowing that I was going to relocate back in June is when I left. And so, you know, I was kind of setting up my store and making sure that we had all the right people in place. And, um, you know, first and foremost is my team. I mean, they're amazing. Um, As far as ordering goes, we have Zoom. And so I meet with a lot of my reps, sales reps, um, you know, via Zoom or since I carry so many staple items, I already know like what I need. I'll look at my inventory or like even tonight, I had a 17 year old um, girl who is uh, working at three to six. And so I popped on the phone and I was like, hey, walk around. Tell me what you think. You know, do we have a lot of this? What stands out to you? And. So, you know, it's just like a combination of a lot of different ways on how I keep it going.
0: <laughs> so that's interesting because I'm at a stage in my business where I'm f- really taking a hard look at structure, organizational structure, mm-hmm. which which, mm-hmm. if there's people listening that either have an existing business or they're thinking about it, that's such an important piece to mm-hmm. scalability. But it's sure. as a small business owner, it's terrifying because mm-hmm. a lot of people wait to, until they can afford employees, but larger businesses will tell you that you should look at how much money you have to make to be able Mm -hmm. to afford the structure that you need in place Mm -hmm. and work backwards. What are your thoughts? What advice would you give someone about hiring and structuring their business for the first time?
1: So I kind of, I grew into it. And so my whole business was, um, what a lot of entrepreneurs I have heard, it wasn't supposed to happen. So it was never really like I sought out, like I took out a loan for let's say a hundred thousand dollars and said, okay, I have a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to buy inventory. Um, I'm going to do a schedule and figure out how much money is everybody going to make so on and so forth, you know, to run a business i kind of started with a one-man band in an area that is not even what i am today and i evolved into it so my story is just a little bit different per se i don't know if that really answered your question but um no but i think
0: your story starts out like a lot of us do we're just we have something we're passionate about or that Mm -hmm. we're good at, or maybe Mm -hmm. neither of those. Maybe it's just Mm -hmm. something you know how to do to make money and you just Mm -hmm. kinda go with the flow until you max out and then you gotta pivot.
1: Right, that's exactly right, Kendall. I couldn't have said that any better. That's exactly right. And pivot is such a monumental um, thing that you have to know how to do when you're in a small business, especially because your funds are limited you know your employees are limited depending upon you know just what's going on at that point and so whenever you come across big obstacles you have to learn how to pivot and like 2020 right that was a very big obstacle for a lot of small mm-hmm. businesses and i pivoted and um i went if i would have stayed so originally Before we knew that we had to wear face masks, I knew my store was shut down the end of March in Kentucky and I did not have any more walk-in business and Easter was right around the corner. So for me to pivot that, at that point, I actually got creative and I got an Easter Bunny costume and my husband at the time had a 1969 red convertible Corvette. And so
0: I wait. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. You said husband at the time, so I'm like, you I have mean, a whole new husband. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm <laughs> that sorry. wasn't that long ago. Time, <laughs> and I'm drinking tea. Um. No. So what I meant to say was, at the time, my husband had a convertible Corvette, a red one. Okay. Does that sound better? You went better. Sorry, Danny. I mean, like, listen, I've been married for 30 years, Okay, (laughs) I think that people who know me, almost 30 in November. But um, for strangers, yes, I still have the same husband. He just has a different car. (laughs) And so uh, I got creative with the pandemic because I knew that if I didn't pivot, I was going to be in trouble. And so um, I tried quickly to pivot. And so we used the Corvette, and we used an Easter Bunny costume, and we used social media. And um, we were able to put together like goodie bags for kids. And so the Easter Bunny would deliver it. And so that was like my first pivot to get me through the first month of the uh, pandemic. And then the next pivot came when um, Easter was over and then we had to all wear face masks. And so face masks actually kept me in business because um, it was before the Walmarts, the Kmarts, the Targets, before they could get to the manufacturer, to their manufacturers overseas and be able to produce a product to sell for the pandemic. It was the small businesses in the United States that came together. And a lot of people don't realize that. But um, so like, for instance, I was one of the very first um, businesses in, gosh, definitely my county, probably the surrounding counties as well, to get the face mask. And what had happened at that time was all of these smaller businesses who made uh, clothing, boutique clothing, they turned off their sewing machines for the boutique clothing, and they just jumped right on the face mask bandwagon. And so, I mean, I was, and it was a little scary at first because I was like, gosh, I mean, you know, am I really gonna get these? And so I started pre-selling them. And so, because I needed to come up with the funds to be able to buy them and everybody in the community was cool with that and they understood. And so I pre-sold them to them and then I took those funds and then invested them in face masks. and. During the whole pandemic, our number came in at approximately 15,000 face masks we sold. Oh my God. (laughs) I know, can you believe that? And so that is what really, you know, that was like a huge pivot for me to be able to have access to that product and to be able to figure out a way to get it implemented, not to mention my store was shut down And so then I had like this gigantic bulletin board. And so I would, we had them thumbtacked to that. And we had a big easel outside of our store. And so people driving down the road, they would see them and stop. And, you know, people could come and look at them. And, you know, we had our display masks and then we would run in the store and get them and stick them in their bag. And we had our phones where we would, you know, ring them up or they'd give give us a card and we'd run in the store and, you know, cash them out and off they'd go. But then they also discovered us as well because, you know, we are um, Pink Julep Boutique is going on its fifth year right now. And so at that time we were fairly new and we did not start out as a um, gift boutique. And actually the pandemic money, the mass money put me over the edge to get me into where I am today, which is a 2,400 square foot gift boutique. and so you're probably wondering, well, what were you? Yeah. <laughs> I was um, actually a, an internet um, shoe business. And so that was a whole nother thing that was never supposed to happen. Um, this you know is what before that was the was
0: pandemic. Of. Yes.
1: Yes. That was um, probably 10 years ago. 10 years ago wow. is when I started um, dabbling in shoes. And um, like I said, it was just another thing. So being an entrepreneur, I always tell people that I feel like you're born an entrepreneur and you go to school to sharpen your skills to be a better entrepreneur. Um, And the reason why I say that is because when I was 10 years old, um, I would my mother to this day, we laugh about this, but she wasn't laughing about it back then. (laughs) Um, My sister and I, we went to a Catholic school. And so the school started at eight o'clock in the morning and my mom would drop us off at, my sister and I at 7.30 a.m. And she would drop me off and my sister was three years younger and we were always the first kids in the playground. And the reason is because my mom had to be at work and her job started at eight, so she had no choice. So um, if it wasn't Lent, I was in the playground. However, during <laughs> Lent, I actually attended the 7:30 uh, a.m. mass, and then the nuns decided that we would also give up our recess during Lent. So I used to go to church twice a day during Lent. But anyway, good old Catholic school. I know, right? I mean, right? <laughs> give up? You know, they just decided for Lent we were going to give that up, and we, did, you know, we didn't have a choice. But anyway, so. Um, my mom would drop us off, and uh, my mom would say, now take your sister in the playground and stay in the playground. Okay, Mom. So I would watch, and I'd watch her car, and it would go up the hill. And as soon as I saw the headlights disappear and go over the hill, I was like, okay, now's my time. And so I'd tell my sister, stay right here, I'll now's be right back. Now's my time. <laughs> and so <laughs> the, uh, across the street, catty cor- like, um, across the street from the playground was a gas station and so like a pantry quick like a 7-eleven and so i would run over there and i would have some money in my pocket and i would buy a bag of twizzlers and so for any of my um friends from elementary school if you're if you're listening to this you're gonna be like yeah i remember that and so i um would bag it buy a bag of twizzlers and run back into the playground and i would sell them all and i would double my money and so I knew about this concept before I even learned about supply and demand and all of that. I mean, I just really enjoyed just the transaction of it, and it, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make this much money and I'm going to go buy that. No, you're going to go and you're going to invest your money and buy more products. What was is and, this? Is know.
0: this what the '80s? You're lucky. Yeah, it was, it was the crack.
1: '80s. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Thing I was, you know, back in back in the day, yeah. But then I recognized, you know, my um, my my customers have money that they want to spend. You know, all my friends in the playground. So then I started expanding, and I was selling stickers. You know, scratch and sniffs. Remember those? I would yes um, have my mother drive me to the mall, and I would be buying. And I was like buying things like I wasn't even. Did your mom didn't.
0: When did your mom realize that she was purchasing inventory for you?
1: Um, back when I was 10, when I was doing it, she knew what, you know, she was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. I was buying um, ceramic pins, ceramic pieces, they were ceramic hearts, and I would glue a pin on the back, and um, I would go to school, and I would tell the, the girls in the class, Um, For Valentine's Day, I'm making heart pins and, you know, I'll put your name on it. And they're like, okay. And so, you know, then every Valentine's Day, everybody would have a ceramic heart pin with their name on it. And, you know. But like, what money
0: are they spending? Is it like their lunch money? We're all like this elementary school girls losing (laughs) weight. Like,
1: (laughs) it wasn't the lunch money. I don't know where they were getting the money, but I was like, you know, I was like on it. I was always out there, you know, looking for another product. And, um, and I liked it, you know, I really, really, when I was a little girl, I used to always feel like, I, I used to always think, wow, you know, I wish, I wish one day I could have a store and you know, that would be really cool. And you know, so on and so forth. And so that did not happen until, you know, a little bit later because I used to actually, I went to school to be a respiratory therapist. And so I did that for 10 years. And um, Oh, wow. Oh, you tried it. I did. I tried it. And actually, um, I did it because it was great money. It was great money. And, um, you know, I was working in the hospital setting. And I was working with all these respiratory therapists. I was the secretary. And they all used to always encourage me, you know, and show me their paycheck. And, you know, you should be a therapist. You should be a therapist. And, you know, and I was like, okay, what the heck? And they ended up sending me to school for it. One day I went into work and they were like, um, we need you to call that respiratory therapy school down in St. Pete. Okay. All right. Okay. What, why am I calling? Uh, you're going to call and you're going to find out when do they start class? Okay. All right. Why am I doing that? Because you're going to go and I'm going to go. <laughs> well, I have to work. I have car insurance and stuff. I got bills. And they're like, yeah, you're going to work. I am. Yeah, you're going to go to school during the day and then you're going to come here at night and you're going to work, you know to eight wow. hours if that's good enough and that's what you're gonna do and I'm like all right let's go so it was a free so education it. so I mean at that uh, point. basically yes oh yeah yeah it was a free education yep yep for sure and then I had a, a sure job I mean I was working as a student therapist long before even my you know fellow classmates even had a job
0: so then so, I mean um, the podcast is about failure What what was your first failure? What was the failure that shaped the next step in growth for you?
1: Mm -hmm. So that would be my my, uh, first business in the real world, besides my candy stuff when I was 10. (laughs) That went Um, great. (laughs) (laughs) It did, that went great. We can't call that a failure. (laughs) Um, Now, the first failure that I would say would be I created a shoe business and it was an online shoe business and that was the accident, but it was a good accident. I actually went to a Zappos outlet. Okay. Where all of the returns in the whole entire country would go into this one location. And oh, so wow. you can imagine how many pairs of shoes. So I had friends who were like, Oh, you need to go, you need to go this and that. And so I went and, um, When I walked in for the first time though, honestly, I had my entrepreneur eyes on. I was not like every other girl. And I wasn't like, oh, where's my size? And you know, what did they have? And I I was really not interested in that. I was like, are you kidding me? I could buy a pair of Nine West for $10 and sell them for like 50 or 60 bucks, like really? And so I invested $400. And so with that $400, I continued to roll my money, roll my money, and after some contracts with Macy's and Bloomingdale's, and then with me going to show shoes and getting direct um, relations with actual vendors and buying wholesale by the cases, I ended up with 5,000 pairs of shoes in like probably six years from my $400 investment. And just like rolling money. What, where so, did you
0: keep these shoes?
1: Oh, Lord. So it was like a constant. It was like a transition. OK, so when I first got started, it was at my house. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so the it, it was OK. I started filling up my basement area, which it was a finished basement um, in Kentucky. It's, you know, it has sheetrock and carpet and Leather couches, you know, so on and so forth. It's not like a basement, like up north that you would think of with cobwebs and stuff. So I filled my basement. And so I was kind of like having fun. And well, first it started in the closet. Then the closet started overflowing. I had a cedar closet that was pretty big. Then it was in my basement. Then one day my husband came home after I got this huge delivery of like (laughs) 350 pairs of shoes. And now they were on my second floor level. (laughs) And he was like, "Uh, okay. He was like, I think that you need to get a storage unit. And I'm like, yeah, and I think I need an office too. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I do, I need an office. I'm like shipping out all this stuff and you know, so on and so forth. So I moved my stuff into one storage unit and then I rented one room from a farmhouse. Um, They rented out the room. So I had one room in the farmhouse and one storage unit. And so then I came across my very first employee, who was uh, my friend's sister. And um, my friend was like, hey, my sister will come and help you. And I was like, okay. And so she just showed up and I taught her how to do eBay. We were doing eBay at the time. And we were just, you know, sh- shooting pictures with Canon and so on and so forth. and. So then, you know, and then it just progressed. It Then it progressed the sales um, platforms, then it was eBay, then we added on Amazon, then Sears, then Walmart wanted us. And we were on all these different platforms and the storage units went from one to five. Um, and then I ended up moving them from the storage units on site because then my landlord had an unfinished area that he agreed to lease me via like Uh, warehouse like $2.50 a square foot and so I was like okay so everything was great and dandy and this and that and then one day my landlord came to me and he's like um he had whenever they come with the Manoa folder it's never a good sign And I was like an awesome, I was like an awesome tenant, but for financial reasons, and I could understand. He was like, Hey, the dentist next door, she wants to expand her business, her practice, and you're in the spot that we would expand. So you have 30 days. And I was like, you're kidding me. I have 5,000 pairs of shoes and you are (laughs) giving me 30 days to find another home. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all righty. So we made the best of the situation and so we found an old decrepit strip center and we just got the shoes there. Now, can you imagine what it's like to move 5,000 pairs of shoes? No.
0: That's what I, my next question was, how the hell did you and some other chick move that many pairs of shoes?
1: Oh my gosh. Um well, actually at that time we had teenager employees. So there was probably, I don't know, probably about 8 of us on staff. Well, and Here's the kicker. It was one mile down the road. And it's like, you're kidding me. We have to move 5,000 pairs of shoes one mile down the road. We got a U-Haul. And so we got a U-Haul truck and we pulled it up to the um, facility that we were in. And we had the ramp and we just started taking everything out. And luckily, we had um, an inventory system. So um, everything was scanned. And so we tried to keep you know all the sizes together as best we could. And so then we got them into our next location. And then to house 5,000 pairs of shoes, you have to have like shelves and it was just like a whole a whole thing. We had to have, we had to hire like carpenters to come in, put carpet down because I thought, well, hey, even though we're in this decrepit place, we're, you know, we're, we are in, we are zoned for retail. So, you know, maybe we could, you know, sell a couple here and there, even though the the potatoes was, you know, online, whatever, if somebody came across us. So that's why we put some carpet in there. And we were in there for a, probably a year and a half. And it was a year and a half because I had to sign a year lease. And I really was not happy with the area at all because it wasn't even on the main road and it had potholes in the in the parking lot and it was it just wasn't like, how you
0: wanted to present no, yourself. It
1: was not. It was not. It was not. And so then there was something shiny in front of me. There was a brand new building. And so the people up there were, you know, would shout across the fence, Hey, you should come up here with us and you know, all this. And I was just like, I don't know. And It was an unfinished space and so i was like i can't afford that you know what i mean like i i I didn't really know like you know what the deal was going up there but it looked pretty expensive but then fortunately i met with the landlord and he was like yeah i'll give you a budget you can pick everything and we'll build it out and all this and i was like yeah let's do it so we did it so then we were stuck moving 5,000 pairs of shoes again, <laughs> not a mile down the road, but just across the parking lot. And so we moved in there and that would be my failure. Um, that's that, the failure. Okay. The transition. That, the transition from going, uh, taking an online business and then putting it in a brand new Building with you know double rents, right? Because it was a lot nicer. Everything was brand new. And then thinking, not knowing, even my husband was drinking this Kool Aid. Okay, he was thinking, yeah, that's a plan. That like all we had to do was put a sign up that said, you know, women's shoes, and you know, put a sign up, and it would. And the uh, the other mistake would have to be the name. The name. I'll tell you the name in a minute, but. Um, so we thought just putting some stuff out there, a sign, everybody in the town is gonna come because every who doesn't love women's shoes and all of this, well, it didn't happen. And, um, you know, my store today, you know, it's in the same location, it's just a gift boutique, but with the shoes, you can't really put an online shoe store with miscellaneous sizes, okay? And, you know, it was just like, broken size runs that I was getting, you know, great deals on from like Macy's and Bloomingdale's and and then uh, putting in a couple cases of this and that of full size runs. It was just like a mishmash. And it worked for online because like mm-hmm. nobody saw, you know what I mean? Like nobody would see that you had all these broken
0: cases. Well, there's not the added cost of a brick and mortar location.
1: Well, yeah. And then I had that added that added um, expenses. And I was expecting the whole town to run in and that didn't happen. And then the name was absolutely terrible. So if I could tell a business, and I'm probably the only one in the world that would do something like this, but please take more than five minutes to decide a name for anything, a username, because- For anything. Your dog, your child. I mean, oh, it was, so originally when I started, My whole entire venture, I told you I was on eBay. Well, I hijacked my husband's um, eBay account. And so I was just like, ugh, I'm just going to use his stuff because I was too lazy to get my own account. And so I hijacked his and I used his name. And so his name was, which I hated, it was Dander22. And it just sounds dirty to me, Cat Dander. Like Dander? Dander. the reason... The reason why I picked Dander was because his name is Dan. Our son's name is Alexander, so it was like a combination. Dander, and then oh, well, that kind of makes it cute. Sports name. It makes it cute, but like you know, if somebody doesn't know that, and I'm selling shoes, they're sold by Dander. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't think that that sounded too good, so I I gave it all of five minutes, and I was like, okay, I need a name for this online eBay store. Okay shoelicious or shoezilla or you know just coming up with all these random names oh that's taken that's taken okay okay well what 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 am i selling shoes okay feet what what rhymes with feet treat the feet treat okay that's it so then i do the feet treat so then that name stuck with me forever because then it went from my ebay store and then it transitioned over to amazon then it was turned into an llc and now this is the name on the side of the road the peak Tree. and i don't know i just I think never it's really cute liked it. what's that i think it's cute you do you do I don't yeah know. i had like that i was just like, i don't know i just always had like a. I don't know like a I guess I wouldn't call it a phobia, but just like, you know, it was just like, uh, I, th- I I'm thinking know. of like
0: I, retreat. I it's giving retreat, but like feet, feet. Yeah. Treat.
1: I Maybe it was just the feet in there. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just was not loving it, but the failure was really putting 5,000 pairs of shoes in a place where I didn't have a lot of foot traffic coming in. And I mean, thank goodness that I had my online stuff coming but I wasn't getting the local traffic that I wanted. And it just, it just wasn't a good idea. It was not a good idea but at, to At what that. point
0: do you pivot though? At what point were you like, okay, this isn't working. We have to, we have to change. How long were you well, in the red?
1: Oh, uh, not, not, I, I was not in the red very long. And um, I don't really know that I was really ever a lot in the red, really in the red. Um, I just wasn't getting what I wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like the failure part was not having the local community come in and engage and all of that. And so when I decided that this is not working because I wanted to stop the online, I wanted to stop it because if anybody has ever sold on Amazon, it's, um, it's good, but it's not good because it's kind of like, they are ultimately in control of your product and what is going on and you know i could have somebody send me one time i had somebody send me back a toilet seat okay i'm not kidding you it was new but they bought a pair of like hundred dollar boots from me and they wrote that they were going to return it and they send back a toilet seat that they bought from another seller and like i'm supposed to be okay with that and so that's why i was I wasn't coming offline because the sales weren't there and so on and so forth. I couldn't handle not being in control of my stuff. And so I was like, I have just got to part with this Amazon and eBay and all this online because there's so many scammers, unfortunately, and I was over it. And so that's when I really wanted to make it work with the community. So it wasn't working because I was like, what am I going to do? I really need to get out of this arena and I really want to be in this arena, but this is not fitting and it's not working. So what I started doing was I started listening. That was it. I started listening to people who were coming in. And so when they came in, if I, I would basically interview them and I would be like, so what are you looking for? And, you know, well, what would you like the store to be? And what kind of products? And, you know, so on and so forth. And that feedback when I started evolving it. And that was tricky because I had to start um, shutting this down here, but yet grow this here. And so it had to go like this. Like, it had to work. You know what I mean? Because if I started, like, just... Clearancing out all of the shoes all of my inventory and then if I didn't have enough money for that to get you know the the products that I needed in there you know so that was that Well that right? was my
0: next question so is that how you got rid of the inventory of all the shoes right you're not just going to give them mm-hmm. away you, you clearance them and then that cash clear- the pro- the purchase of the new product
1: yes so it, the actual the whole evolution i call it it took quite a long time it probably took me at least a year to get to fill 24 and that and that, and that was another thing too kendall was another um mishap on my part was that i rented 2400 square feet
0: oh my goodness a a lot.
1: exactly exactly i mean like that's like a house okay and yeah. so it's like, so if I were going, I can't even to... imagine that
0: because my office is nine hundred square feet. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's That's huge, huge. Okay, it's huge. And so, can you imagine the amount of money it would it takes to fill that space with retail? You know what I mean? Well, so not even so just that. You like... got
0: other costs. You got your electricity. You got your you got yep. your plumbing water sewage i mean
1: yep and commercials
0: more expensive than residential i mean for those of you don't realize that's a whole different ball game as far as cost
1: exactly and if i were going to go into it saying okay i'm going to open up a gift boutique no one goes and rents 2400 square feet to open up a gift boutique i mean it's like a (laughs) dealership (laughs) that's just like enormous you know i mean you know so where i So like that was kind of like, geez, you know, this store is like pretty big. What, how am I going to do this? So I had to make sure that I liquidated my inventory wisely to be able to maximize my profits, to be able to fill up that space with a lot of good stuff, you know, and um, it was tricky. It wasn't like, okay, $10 for everything and, you know, come and get it and whatever I have left, whatever. Because at no point did I ever want to go and take a huge loan to make it happen. Cause I didn't want to be in debt. You know what I mean? For that. I mean, that's impressive
0: alone always- that you didn't, that you didn't take on debt. I have, I have to say my the Dave mean, Ramsey part of my brain is really proud of that because I mean, even me at this point in my growth, I'm like, well, damn, I really need to hire like six people. Does mm-hmm, my books mm-hmm. don't say I'm going to be profitable after I hire six people at today's Mm -hmm. salary rates, Mm -hmm. but maybe that's just what I have to do to facilitate Mm -hmm. a structure that's going to maximize and scale growth. But Mm -hmm. for you to be able to not even have to have that conversation with yourself Mm -hmm. is impressive.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Now, you know, I did do some capital loans here and there, but you know, I mean, I paid them off along the way, but like, you know, there was no massive you know, debts that were taken out for my business. But there was something that, you know, did like the growth part, it was a slow growth. Okay. And so that's the difference. If, you know, if you have all the capital up front and you do hire six people for your business and so on and so forth, you're going to excel my speed by a ton. I mean, look what we're talking. I mean, you know, this this whole thing with four hundred dollars took me 11 years practically and so you still
0: know, really impressive i mean not even just but you did it with across multiple businesses
1: i did i mean i don't i mean it's just crazy how i just kept flipping things and turning them into whatever i needed or wanted at that time i just kind of you know tried to think about the future where do i want to be and what do i have to do to get there and pivot along the way and you know try to make the best decisions as possible I mean you know you're always going to have obstacles but um yeah it was like quite a journey and so the very end of the shoes after so like what I would do is so like I negotiated with my landlord to pay for half of my shoe rack because shoe racks are expensive. I mean, like they are, I mean, I think we spent like $7,000 just on shoe racks to move into that place. And so my landlord agreed, he was, he's such a great guy. He agreed to um, pay for half of them. And then for the half that I had to pay for, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll take $200 a month out of, you know, add that on to your rent. And then what, until it's paid off interest-free and I'm like, okay, let's do it. Jeez. And so then I was like, okay, this is not working with the shoes and we got to, you know, evolve and be what the community wants us to be, to get this to work. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what it's all about. It's like, you know, what is the demand in your area? And for me, it was not miscellaneous shoes. And I wanted to get out of that other business and thought that maybe it might work, but it did not. So what I would do is, um, we would sell the heck out of our shoes online and we did sell some, you know, with foot traffic coming in, pardon the pun, I guess. Right. (laughs) That was non intentional. Oh, that would have been a good name um, (laughs) foot traffic. Oh yeah. Right. Exactly. That would have been good. But, um, So what what we would do is we would sell, 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 and then we would not fill up a rack. Like we would then start consolidating and like say for every rack we got rid of, I would go on Facebook marketplace and I would buy like a cute kitchen table. And then we would bring it in and we would paint the bottom of it or paint the top of it or whatever. And we always painted everything pink, okay? And so then I started buying old time hutches, like, you know, like um, wooden ones from like the 80s, probably maybe the 90s. And we would bring them in and cotton candy pink. And so all these cute, super cute hutches. And so the store, I turned it into a very eclectic with the decor. I think that probably 90% of Pink Joel up is marketplace. On steroids—that's what I call pink up. <laughs> I love
0: that though, and you're yeah. you're doing more than painting it, right? Like you're you're switching up. your oh my god, what's the word yeah. for it? Are you literally just painting these things? Or are you adding new door, new knobs and stuff, and making it? Oh yeah, oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, making it like you know, going to Home Goods and getting the crystal knobs and putting the crystal knobs on them. And those were our displays, and. Um, So we just kind of, so for every single shoe rack, and then I went on Marketplace when um, it got to the point where half of the store was fixtures. I didn't even want to see the shoes anymore. And I was like, okay, (laughs) we're done with the shoes locally now because now what we did is, and this is a big mistake. We went in as a shoe store. We changed the sign up above to Pink Julep Boutique. However, you only have one chance to um, make your first impression, especially with consumers. Mm -hmm. And even though the sign was changed, there wasn't really too much more change that you could see from the outside. And everybody just thought we were shoes. I mean, it took years to shake that and i mean but how do you
0: change like, that is that a marketing play is that something well
1: um it's just something that just has to happen naturally i think i mean you know you could market it and market it and market it and it's just word of mouth i mean people always say word of mouth is the best you know advertising and it is i mean and it's just word of mouth and uh, but i used to get so frustrated because you know we would be pink up for like six months and we're not even offering you guys shoes anymore. And we have all these super cool things and you're coming in. Now you're coming in looking for shoes.
0: Now you want shoes. <laughs> yeah. Now you want shoes. You know,
1: and so, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, in business, like it's so that first impression. I mean, like there were so many things that I did not realize that seemed so, it just seems like, well, Yes, everybody's going to know you're there because you're going to put a big sign up, and it's going to light up, and they're going to know what that is, and they're going to come. It does not happen like that, and no. I mean, especially I in a am, small town. Oh, I know, but like I'm like the kind of person who in in our small town up there. If I went away for a week on vacation, I'm coming back and I'm like looking like, oh, did anything new go in? What's changed? What's the you know, yeah, exactly. I'm like looking for a new restaurant to pop up. You know something anything a store shopping anything and so when that did not happen it was just like i just can't believe it and um still to this day i mean we've been there for six years and people still come in today and say i had no idea you're here and you so like the joke throat. the joke is like well did you drive by ten thousand times yet because like you know then you get like i've driven by to, you know so many times and I just realized, and it was like, well, was it ten thousand? Because some people come in and they give us numbers, even. <laughs> That's like, even yeah, more okay.
0: painful. <laughs> yeah, you've driven by that many times. You you didn't know we were here.
1: Exactly. How I could
0: like, oh. how could your experience with this? And I, I want. I, let me bring that back. Uh-huh. As an entrepreneur, I think that mm-hmm. people like us tend to not think of an exit plan. You're at a stage in your life where your kids are older. Your son's in Kentucky. There's no saying where he's going to go after. Do you have an exit plan for your businesses? Not really. That's a really important step people skip over.
1: I know. I know. And so I I do not have an exit plan. And I mean, it's really one of two things, right? It's sell it Mm -hmm. or liquidate. I mean, that's really it. It would be better for me to try to sell it you know because I feel like then all of my hard work is in there it's a turnkey. it's better for the community because no entrepreneur likes to see what they created just like you know lights out nothing you know you want to see it go and so that would be my ideal scenario would be that to sell it and for
0: people that are people that are listening when she says sell a business that's there's different parts to a business that are sellable. So she could sell, she, she doesn't own the building, right? So she can't sell the right. physical location, but mm-hmm. she has a brand and mm-hmm. she has inventory. And that's something that you can sell together or separately. And a website. And a website.
1: And a website. And a website. Mm-hmm.
0: And a website. So that's something when you're building. Mm-hmm. Oh, and social media. I don't yeah, know if yeah. that would be lumped I, into branding yeah. though you'd probably have to sell the, the handles with the branding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I the imagine. Mm-hmm. But for people that are building their business, it's important to look at, yes, look at your business as a whole, as a whole pie, but you also have to look at the individual slices and make, always think when you're building a business that first think about the end, which is hard to think about when you're first starting, but think about the end and think about it in sections because when you do go to sell, there's no scenario no business owner is going to say, "Oh, I'm just going to close my doors and, you know, just mm-hmm. t- take the sign." No, your your goal most business o- owners don't save enough for retirement because they they believe in their heart of hearts that their business is their retirement plan. So you mm-hmm. have to go into this project looking at the business as pieces of an asset that can you can sell separately. And when I have people come into my office and a lot of them are business owners that have been doing this a really long time and now they're kind of in over their head and they're like, okay, well, what do I do with all of this? The hardest part is, especially with businesses like a hair salon, for example, inventory depreciates. It's really hard. It's like when you buy a couch and you go to sell it on Facebook marketplace, you paid three grand for the couch. How much do you think you're going to sell it to Lisa on Facebook marketplace? Mm -hmm. that's your inventory of your business so you really it's so important to focus on the brand aspect if you own the real estate that's crucial i would encourage everyone to try to get to a place in your entrepreneurial journey where you can own real estate commercial real estate because that makes it so much more attractive when you go to sell your business if you want to sell a turnkey location i mean you're you're that's not your um problem because you have a whole nother business it doesn't have yes, a location I do. right we haven't even right. talked about
1: right. no, trendy don't. dog mom right and that is so trendy dog mom was born um basically so what did i learn from my business and my failures and everything else was um i took all that knowledge and built a brand now Because everything that I learned on the retail side of it, now I'm putting that into my wholesale side of it. And I work with now businesses carry my product. And so it's, you know, I I already know what consumers like. I mean, pink julep, as soon as a vendor would walk in, I'd be like, you know, if like they started showing me cute stuff, I'm like, do you have that in dog? And, you know, Mm. I mean, people love their pets. And, um, and then to be fair, then the cat people would be getting on me because it's like, why do you have all this dog stuff? Where's the cat stuff? And so, yeah. but, but my brand is, you know, towards dogs. But um, yeah, so I took everything that I learned, contacts, um, consumers, you know, things that um, the consumers are looking for. Um, I love the shark tank. I'm always, you know, that is like one of my favorite shows and, uh, you know, they're always saying a solution, a solution, you know, people like solutions. And so all of these years that I have been an entrepreneur, I've always dreamed of also creating a product and, uh, being able to experience that side of business as well as a wholesaler. And how cool would that be? I used to think, and so I did it and it was kind of like, you know, when you're younger and you're, you want a boyfriend and, you know, you're looking <laughs> here and there and under rocks and, you know, everybody would tell you, right? It's not gonna happen like that. It's gonna happen when you're not looking, right? Didn't we all hear that? Well, that's exactly what happened with my new brand. And so, um, so how it, how it went down was, so I told you I relocated back here to Florida in June And I have two Jack Russell, And um, they're brothers, super cute. Um, You would see them, you'll see them if you look if you look me up on Trendy Dog Mom on Instagram, like there's probably uh, 90% reels of my dogs that I make.
0: Don't you wish you could (laughs) pay your animals, like you could pay your kids?
1: Oh yeah, I know, right? My husband's like, poor boys, you know, I'm like with the camera <laughs> Slave all, labor. And all the time. And yeah, I know laying on the ground getting the best shots you should see me but um, but anyway, so I had to, they love to walk okay and when I was in Kentucky we never walked them okay, I mean not only that Kendall they need to be like a farmer's diet like before and after if you would see the, if you saw the pictures of my dogs before. Oh my gosh, they were so overweight and so unhealthy, and so we just—I was when we moved here, I was like, I'm gonna walk them, and you know, I'm gonna commit to this. So I'm in Florida, and it's like the end of June, and it is like super hot out, what? and these dogs—they want to go for like three miles, and so three miles, and their legs are like this big, they're shorties, and so I'm like, okay, we'll do it, and so I—I I would come out into the kitchen, and I'm like, okay. What do I need? It was like a, it was like I'm going on a trip. Okay. It's Packing like to the,
0: need... with kids, going to the beach.
1: Yes, exactly. I'm like, I need a water bottle. I need, I need water. I need my phone. I need my AirPod case. I, you know, all these different elements that I need and I need a bag, right? To carry all this stuff. And I need my doggy waste bags too, of course. And so I'm like, I need, I just need a bag. And so I went in my room, and I came out with this black faux leather bag, and it's a crossbody messenger bag. And um, so it was black faux leather, but I liked the feel of it, and I liked how everything fit in it just right. Um, you know, my AirPods and my um, my phone in the outer pocket, and so I'm like, okay, I think this could work. So I pack it up, and the strap coming across is a uh, green and red and had bees going it's the gucci bee strap so i have my yoga pants on and a t-shirt and here i am boogieing around the neighborhood and this gucci bee faux leather bag and uh, i'm just like i'm like i like the size of it i like the compartments in it i just think it needs to be dogified and so my best ideas come when I'm on caffeine and exercising. <laughs> I don't know why, but I could like solve world peace with a cup of coffee and a walk. Okay? I concur. I concur. And so, um, so then that's when I started thinking about, you know, what do I want, you know, this bag to look like. And so I came home, sketched it and then got with my contacts that I made in the boutique world from my business. And I came up with. Um, my new bags, and I actually have one right here. Do you want to see it?
0: Yeah, let me see
1: it. So, this is it.
0: Oh, so I have it. That's a kitty one.
1: So, uh, that's I a doggy one? Artist. Is that a cat? Yes. This is a Chihuahua. It's called Chihuahua, this bag. And, um, Chihuahua? It's actually made of neoprene, okay? So, it cleans up well, and it has the our logo, and the collapsible bowl is right here. And then um, on the inside, I designed it to have like a water strap because my water bottle kept falling over and I was like, this is annoying. So I put the little strap in and then there's like a I little treat pouch in here, right? It's cleanable. But the best part, this is like the ooh moment, the ah, when you turn it around. Ooh. The bags. <laughs> so it has, bags. Like, the, uh, has like the little hidden uh, dispenser bags. So...
0: so- what okay so let's go to ordering these how many did you have to buy for your first order because you can't just buy five
1: i know so a hundred so i was able to get a factory no 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 so i got a factory to um agree to a 100 per pattern and um per pattern per pattern one pattern 100 for one pattern how many patterns did you um, have I started my line with six. 600. Okay, bags.
0: so 600. I could just imagine Danny's face. He's like,
1: Not <laughs> no, this here, again. Here we go again. <laughs> 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 yes, pretty much. That's about how. Oh, it no. Goes. Yes. So 600 bags, and, um, you know, I did um, one prototype, um, and the prototype, we nailed it. Um, except with the exception of the um, the bag, the poopy bag thing, the this is like a pocket. And so originally I had it all the way up here. I don't know what I was thinking, but it was terrible. And so then we didn't even do a second prototype. I just measured it and then drew it on paper again and sent it over to the factory. And then um, they were like, okay, yeah, we could do this. And so we were like, okay, let's go. And actually, um, I think this is a good number. I mean, you tell me within the first 30 days, I sold 25% of the inventory wholesale.
0: That's a great, and that's with no marketing. That,
1: me, me, myself, and I, and I probably put like 10 hours into it, if even of marketing. Um, you so know, did you I just mean, have it at the store? No, I had them here in Florida. And so I started getting oh. the pavement. I started marketing locally. So they are in the store, okay? They are in the store and um, they're doing great up there. And, um, but locally here, I mean, um, I rolled them out in uh, mid December, second week in December. And I have two accounts in uh, Newport Ritchie. I'm in Dunedin, Tarpon Springs Sponge Dogs, and uh, Clearwater Beach and uh, somebody in Puerto Rico just bought a bag today and she wants to test it and she's considering carrying, they're up in New Hampshire, so. So tell viewers
0: a little bit about that because I think my generation, the idea of like walking into a business and saying, this is my product, Mm -hmm. I want it in the store, what does that look like for you? Is a little Mm -hmm. bit scary, right? My generation Mm -hmm. is scarier of Mm -hmm. the whole contact Mm -hmm. Mm face-to-face. Walk Mm -hmm. me through your first time doing that and what it looked like
1: um so um let's see well the first time we won't talk about because the first time was just my dog groomer and so like i kind of had a little relationship with her no but that counts
0: you went to someone in your in your sphere of influence
1: so i um i basically went in to pick up my dogs and uh, we were just chit chatting and I said hey you know I'm designing this new product and um, I think you might be interested and um, I said let me show you and I had a picture on my phone only I didn't even have the bag in person okay and so I just said yeah here it is and this is what it's gonna do and this is you know all the bullet points I went over and you know it's a very thought-out bag even down to the material. I mean, even like um, people who are these stores who are buying them from me, the business owners, they're like, wow, you really thought this out. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And, yeah, no um, shit, I don't
0: half-ass my shit, and- bro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, I've been I have been in this arena so long. I know what everybody wants by now, God. Um, but no, I mean, you know, um, locally, it's not a big deal for me to go in. And, um, you know, you always have to be conscious conscience of people's time okay and sometimes I you get so excited on the phone and stuff I mean I get so excited that's why I try not to really drink more than two cups of coffee because then I get super super excited (laughs) and like I'm just like unaware and I'm just like oh my gosh and you know so I'm more aware now whenever I'm on the phone to ask them, you know, do you have a minute? You know, before I get into it, or can I set up an appointment, or so on and so forth. It's a little bit trickier over the phone. But if you want to grow, you have to be able to do that, right? Um, because you can't just go walk in everywhere. Um, I actually have more success going in person, and yes. I I like it better than talking on the phone because I, I just feel like it's so much harder to get the attention, and um, I don't know, I just, you know, there's something about. Well, not only
0: that, we've gotten so far away from in-person interaction like that. That used to be the norm, where you'd walk, if you wanted to do business with someone, you'd you'd go and see them. Right. Door-to-door sales used to be the norm. That was okay. People answered their front doors. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: now it makes you different. Yes,
1: yeah. It's, it's a lot different and it's a lot harder. It's more challenging to have to you know do this. So for me to do it, I already told my husband, I'm like, I'm not calling anyone else out of this area until I get my website done. And so I'm actually investing $10,000 in my website Um, I hired a videographer, I hired, he's a videographer, a photographer, and I have somebody designing my new website in Washington state. And all three of us are working together to bring that together because that's a vital part. If you are going to, um, do something like this, that, that is my store is my website, literally like that's my showroom that I am going to let people know that, hey, I'm the real deal and this is a great product. And, you know, um, consumers and even buyers in stores, they're so um, drawn to like photography as everything. I mean, why do you think Amazon has such strict rules on like white backgrounds and, you know, catalog photos and so on and so forth, you have to have that. So my new approach um, for my new business to market that is, um, I had a nice brochure made. And so I will start going through um, different areas of the country to market them over the phone, drop them a brochure, and then do a follow-up phone call. And then maybe, you know, did did you see my brochure? You know, did you have a chance to look at the website? So on and so forth. And, you know, see what happens.
0: Will people have the ability to purchase on your website? Because I will say that that is something that frustrates me sometimes. Like when I go on Amazon, I don't Mm -hmm. know why, but lately I've been hyper aware of of prices. So I'll go on Amazon Mm -hmm. and then I'll be like, well, let me see if their prices are lower on their website. And I always try Mm -hmm. to find, if it's a small business owner selling on Amazon, their website. And a Mm -hmm. lot of them don't.
1: Really? I can't believe that. That's crazy. Yeah, I'll go to their
0: website and and I'll click on the thing and it'll take me to Amazon.
1: Wow, that that makes like hardly any sense. You know, they're probably, I mean, getting traffic to a website is a whole nother thing. I mean, so, you know, I mean, maybe they, they're doing so well, I guess, with their products on Amazon. And um, I don't know, I mean, that that's like kind of crazy. Like right now I do have a website, but um, so, you know, I'm kind of like test the water before we, you know, go big, right. With the $10,000 website. So, you know, I mean, I actually put together my website today and if you oh, congratulations! At it, well, thank you. But no, <laughs> if you look at it, you'll be like, yeah, um, you know, I could tell you put it together. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's okay. We won't link know? it. I mean, we won't link it yet. I, yes. No, not yet. We'll link it when we get the big one going. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a web developer, you know what I mean, it's not supposed to look like that. So um, that's why I I have one now. But, um, you know, yeah. um, So maybe they're, uh, I don't know, maybe, I mean, even putting a little one together, you have to have some type of knowledge, you know, um, to just even do a template. So, but I would think everybody would want a website, especially if you're a small when, business, especially oh, yeah. today. Well, you have
0: to have one today. You have to yes. have one today. I know. You Absolutely. It's, I mean, and it has to be a certain aesthetic, which mm-hmm. is so important. It has to be, yes. there's so much thought that goes into it. Exactly. When people are, when we're doing budgets for businesses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I have to remind people that If you are so cost-conscious on the first time, what makes you think you're going to be able to afford it a second time Mm
1: -hmm. when you have to redo
0: it? People really need to take to heed that advice because if it's not done right the first time, you're going to have to redo it. And it's almost always going to be the same price, if not more.
1: Oh, oh, it's definitely going to be more. And it's not something because like when I was talking to some of the web developers, I'm like, okay, well, you know, can we do it for you know six thousand and then like add on or you know and they're like yeah no there's no add on it's like yeah you know, no you just yeah. start from scratch again <laughs> and you know yeah I mean they're expensive you know and like that is actually a pretty good deal you know for me to get all of the bells and whistles and anybody who is out there wanting to uh, do a website animation is huge right now on websites. I did not realize that. I don't know if you knew that, but in my yes. industry, Yeah, animation. I mean, they're doing so much um, stuff that you know is going to. I mean, I'm not animation gonna do too much and of AI. AI. Yes, animation for sure. Animation
0: and AI.
1: Yep. Yeah. For really big.
0: When the bags go in the store, are you negotiating revenue share, or, or for for sales? So the, does the store get a percentage of something that? one of the bags that gets sold how does that work
1: no I just flat out um I I have a set cost that you know I have my cost and then I make my money and then I'll sell it to them for a discounted rate so everybody is basically doubling along okay so the
0: store is buying (laughs) it and they are retaining ownership and reselling reselling it
1: yes okay Mm -hmm. yep yep yeah so you know so they're um they're buying their products at our wholesale. And then, you know, so actually, believe it or not, so this is another thing that a lot of um, people in the industry, since I've been on both sides of the fence now, now I get it, but it's like, you know, so when you're the wholesaler, you're actually, I'm not making as much money as my retailer. The retailer is making double what I'm making, right? Because Mm -hmm. as the product, you know, starts doubling, of course, they're buying it at a higher cost, but they're selling it at a higher cost as well. So it's like, gosh, it's like, you know, they're making like double money on my product. And you know-
0: Well, you're dealing in
1: quantity now. Yes. I'm Not only that though, I don't have payroll. I don't have rent. I don't have to talk someone into it. You know, I don't have to, I don't have that risk of being stuck with that inventory. Well, I guess I do in a way with my inventory. But, you know, I mean, it's a split. It, it really is an even split. You know, what I, you know what I'm trying to say with the money?
0: Hashtag capitalism. Yeah, no. I mean,
1: yeah. It's, yeah. but
0: it's interesting how your failure that we spoke about is what inspires mm-hmm. you to kind of r- take a step back and go back to almost where you started, which was an online store. Yes. Like, you, you're never going to open up a brick and mortar location where you're selling these bags
1: no 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 and um i pro- i will never open up another brick and mortar just because it's kind of like been there done that you know what i mean it was right. just kind of like one of those bucket list things you know maybe if i was still up in louisville i might have opened a second location or a third boat lo- i don't know or me may- well i know for sure my little doggy bags. they would have never that, that idea would have never even come to me because i would have never really been in that scenario um but um yeah i mean it did kind of i kind of like i flipped roles because now like i never thought i would be a wholesaler you know but um you know just to have that idea and have all the contacts you know that's very important and being able to execute it out yeah i mean that's a
0: perfect example of a pivot
1: yeah exactly and then it it's just um it just is a a benefit for me with everything that I did, being able to work with retailers today, because now I have my product and I could go in and say, I've been there, done that, you know, let me help you. Or, you know, like I can offer them advice on, well, how are you merchandising this? And, you know, are you talking about the bullet points and so on and so forth. And even the merchandising of my product, I mean, A lot of times at pink julep well not a lot of times but sometimes we would get just a random product okay that we bought and the merchandising is terrible on it okay like it doesn't really i don't know it could be like um for instance cocktail infusion kits so it's a mason jar and it's filled with like all these goodies like um, non-gmo sugar and then it has dried fruits and you add um uh, vodka or your spirit choice, and it infuses within three days or whatever, and so it does like all this really cool That's stuff. Cool. But they offer like like zero marketing merchandise, and so it's like I see. Unless you have somebody, unless you have somebody standing there all day talking about this product, you know, like either I'm, you know, like I have to pay somebody to stand there to tell everybody what it is. So like Mm -hmm. I learned that. And so now my bags, they all come with a card and it's attached to every bag. And it talks about, it tells you all the bullet points and so on and so forth, because not only do I want to be successful selling them to the retailers, I want them to be successful selling my product because then it comes back to me again. So, I mean, you know, you might as well send it out of the gate prepared and ready to go. And so that was others' failures that I learned on. It's like you know, I, if, you know, the bag has to be explained on, you know, everything that I told you, because the consumer, consumers, they hardly, I mean, there's been studies and reports and all of this on how many seconds somebody looks at something, and ha- you know, I mean, oh like, yeah, I'm, you know, all these little things, and consumers are very We've evolved finicky. to
0: have the attention span of a goldfish.
1: Oh, my gosh. Do you know how many times they say, I think it's like six or eight times you have to um, present your business self in front of someone to get them to get you into their mind. That could be like a Facebook post, an Instagram post, um, you know, a sign on the side of the road, uh, you know, whatever, like six different ways that, you know, you're supposed to present to them marketing ways to get to into stick. their head
0: to stick you it's know. insane
1: yeah exactly and then you get and then once you get in their mind and you're stuck there then it's a routine that you know like for my store for instance okay yeah you know every Friday I'm going to go there or every time I need a gift or whatever but then when they start going off the path the consumer then that's it then you have to start with the six again to get them back in the ring so it's like, you have crazy. to try new
0: approaches because yes. there's new trends. And I mean, it's difficult, but that's is why it's so important to have a team around you. If it's, if it's not something mm-hmm. that you're well-versed in having a marketing team and so much yes. of this information now is available on things like Instagram. I mean, we talk about it a lot I mean you could literally mm-hmm. talk into your phone and it's going to start popping up on your explore page, but I know you have to branding and marketing is the name of the game and you can do a lot right. of it yourself, but there's going to come a point where right. you're going to have to educate and invest either in another person or an education mm-hmm. because it's a whole different world.
1: It I mean, is. luckily it we is. live
0: in an age where AI is, is available to us and that's super helpful. But I mean, how the hell do you use that? I mean, these are things right. we have to start considering. Um, are you okay with people reaching out to you if they have more questions, whether it's about your bag or your business process yeah. or your story in general?
1: Yeah, sure, for sure, yes. Which platform like do you prefer? Um, well, actually, they could just uh, send me an email or um, Instagram, you know, Instagram or Facebook. I'm on everything. <laughs> they could go to Trendy Dog Mom and send a message through there. Um, or they could send me an email at Lisa at TrendyDogMom.com. That's another way to reach
0: me. Awesome. We're going to tag all of those things in our post. You'll be able to view this episode on Spotify, YouTube, cool, Instagram, Facebook. We have a few different ways you can view it. But if you have any questions, Lisa has made yourself made herself available to you and thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry that yes. uh, the last day didn't work out, but it worked out
1: tonight. Yes, it sure did. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I mean, it was great talking with you.
0: Yes. All right, everyone. This was another episode of failure Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said, we're going to go ahead and tag Lisa and all of her contact information. If you want to reach out and ask her questions and stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Have a good night.